Hello, hi everyone, happy Sunday. Welcome to church, it's good to be here again. I hope that you're all keeping well and keeping safe. And uh, I don't know about you, but while we've been in lockdown every Sunday, um, I've not just been going to one church, I've been going to about four. And um, he's been like virtually popping in. Uh, and it's been great. I've been I've got into this habit of dropping into all these different churches all over the place. And uh, I'm not saying that I'm able to take in so much. And quite often, my eldest son, who, who's living in Singapore at the moment, he'll FaceTime me in the middle of it, and I will drop everything to speak to him. And he's on circuit breaker at the moment. It's uh, not called lockdown there, but that's what it is. Um, but they're very technological, so they've called it a circuit breaker. And um, I've been really amazed um, as I've watched church online as to how many people tune in live in one go. It's literally thousands of people. Um, even our own services, they've been online virtually attended by so many more than would normally walk into church on a Sunday. And that's really encouraging. And uh, I, I, just, I just love the fact that people are able to tune in in that way. And uh, I think we're going to see a whole new era of church after this is all over. But on the Easter Sunday, as I was in between one of my many church services, someone had spoken quite obviously on Easter Sunday about um, an empty tomb, the empty tomb. And the phrase straight away came into my mind, empty tomb, empty church, empty tomb, empty church. And it just kept echoing through my mind. And my imagination saw Jesus confidently striding forth out of that empty tomb, resurrected and alive. And then I could see the church, the body of Christ, walking out of church buildings, but into the highways and the byways, into the towns and the cities, alive and revived. And it's not a negative thought. Empty tomb, empty church. Now, hear me out. I am not saying church buildings are a tomb. That's not what I'm saying. But right now, in this lockdown time that we're in, it feels like we're entombed. We're not really allowed to go anywhere. We can't meet together. We're, um, we're not doing much. We can only go out for essentials. Um, but, you know, and it's not always positive. It doesn't always feel positive. And obviously, there's, there's so much more going on in the hospitals and things like that that we do need to be praying about. But for us as a church, you know, life is what you make it. I was told that when I was young, it never left me. Life is what you make it. We can shrink back and we can be fearful. Or as we isolate, we can let our roots grow deep. We can uh, build our faith. We can buy up that time and use it wisely. And we can get ready for the next step. But you know what? Who knows that when God went anywhere near a tomb, life happened. And you know, when, when God comes into our situation there can only be life coming out of that so Jesus marched off and you know he he raised Lazarus from the dead after four days Jesus himself walked out of that tomb and you know what when he died and was resurrected tombs cracked open and some of the saints were resurrected 
that's something that we sort of gloss over a little bit. We don't really talk about that. There's not much to say about it because there's not much said about it, but it's quite phenomenal. Let's have a read. Matthew 27, verse 50 to 53. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Wow, I've always wondered what happened to those people afterward. What happened to them? Did they live out a life? I think they did, but I don't know. You know, it doesn't say. You know, they didn't come out of the tomb until Jesus himself was resurrected. And then there's also the story of Elisha, and he's always fascinated me, Elisha. And this was another thing that stood out for me. So there was the empty tomb, empty church, and then there was Elisha. Elisha just kept coming to me. And there's this very short account, just one paragraph long, of something amazing happening at his own tomb, long after he died the very end of his ministry. And it's a story that I've read several times. Um, and I've heard this uh, whole sermon, you know, preached on that one paragraph. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's another one that stayed with me a long time. And Elisha was the prophet, Elijah, Elijah's successor. And there were many prophets around at the time, but Elijah was like the main man. He was the top prophet. And uh, when he was taken up to heaven, Elisha asked Elijah for a double portion. He asked for a double anointing. And Elijah apparently did around 14 miracles. Some say more. Uh, I've gone for the conservative option. And while he was alive, Elijah, Elisha performed a reported 27. Now, I'm not great at maths, but even I know that that's one short of the double, okay? And some translations, they count, like I said, they count more for both prophets, but each and every translation always has that one short. And um, if he was the one, the successor of Elijah, then he's not fulfilled that potential, has he? He's not done what he's asked for. He's not got what he's asked for. He's somehow missed that one miracle that would have him fulfilling that double portion if it was meant to be seen through the miracles, in fact. And 2 Kings 2, 9 to 12 says this, and this is at the very beginning. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And so according to Elijah, and just after that, 
Elijah's mantle fell onto Elisha. So he knew that it was for him. But according to that, Elisha should have had this double portion. If it were today, people, probably Christians, if we're honest, watching, would, you know, would have, they would have had a bit of a field day on Facebook, Twitter, social media, YouTube, all that. Can you imagine, just because of one missing, one missing miracle, they would pounce on that and say, that must mean it wasn't him. He was fake. He was false. They'd say he'd lied. They'd bring into question all the miracles he'd already done, all his teachings and all his works. They'd have had a bit of a field day, wouldn't they? To be able to discredit this man of God. But Elisha's story actually hadn't ended. So he's gone through all this lifetime of miracles and signs and wonders, axe heads floating to the top of water, things like that. Amazing things. But then look what happened long after his death. In 2 Kings 13, 21. And as a man was being buried, behold, a marauding band was seen and the man was thrown into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. I think this is just amazing. And this is all the Bible makes of it. plays it down. It doesn't even build it up. One solitary paragraph. The anointing of the Lord was still on Elisha as he hadn't had the chance to fulfil it, to fulfil that potential. Either that or it was an appointment with the man who was thrown in. The anointing was literally hanging around waiting for that man to be thrown into the grave, to thrown into the tomb, waiting to be realised. And we sometimes, we don't realise what potential we've got. We don't realise what anointing we have. And it's a little bit different from us because that was Old Testament and we're in the New Testament now. We have the Holy Spirit in us and we have the anointing. You know, we have all the gifts, you know, but we just have to remember to build our faith. You know, don't second guess God. He knows what he's doing with you. And when God is near a tomb, death cannot stay, can it? And so this little verse, it was that one small paragraph, three lines, it was playing through my head for the rest of that morning. Because that was the early on that I'd, I'd had that in my mind. And it was one verse in a Bible of over 31,000 verses. And then I tuned in to Elevation Church as I normally do. And when I switched it on, they were already singing, they were premiering their new song. And their new song's called Rattle. And if you've listened to any of the playlists that you know we've been putting on over the last couple of weeks, it's been on there. Um, and you know, sometimes God shows you something and then you think, is this you, God? And then he just straight away confirms it. And this was one of those days. It doesn't always happen. It's not as often as it sounds sometimes. But you know what? When he does it, it blows your mind. And at first it's like a thought and it echoes. And, you know, I've started to try and make a little bit of a note now when I've got these echoing thoughts. Because I just think, you know, maybe God's trying to tell me something. Just to make sure I was listening and to get my total attention, um, 
one of the verses of this new song went like this and this is after i've had all this in my mind and i've like made a few notes and it was like a complete confirmation the verse goes like this my god is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of elisha if there's anything that he can't do i've never ever heard this story in a song before never and you know i listen to a lot of christian songs and i was so excited i had to like whatsapp john and ruth just to let them know look at what's just happened and the fact that the church is closed right now shouldn't bother us too much you know of course it's messed up our whole idea of church and fellowship and all that and you can't wait to get back and fellowship with everybody and worship together can't wait but we're very mistaken if we ever think we're going to go back to how it was you know like jess said in her her blog a couple of weeks ago it's a new normal we are now in a new normal and that's that phrase seems to be cropping up quite a lot everywhere at the moment stephen furtick from elevation he's been preaching recently about looking forward to a new normal not going back to normal God doesn't work that way. He never goes back. It's always forward. So do you think that guy when he woke up next to Elisha um, was ever the same again? Definitely not. Was Lazarus ever the same again after he'd been called forth by Jesus? He can't have been. He must have been so present and out there and alive that the authorities were embarrassed and they were trying to, they were plotting to kill him. So I'm always amazed at the often like missed facts of the story of um, of the demon-possessed man who lived amongst the tombs. When we were going back to tombs, um, the demon-possessed man who lived amongst the tombs of the Gadarenes. Jesus, he crossed the Sea of Galilee in a storm and he spoke to it and stilled it. And that's another story of its own. And we all know it. But he went all that way across in a storm, doing miracles along the way just to find that one man and that man tormented by demons he was abused he was an outcast he was you know surviving existing he was cutting himself he was in a terrible way and he was living in a place of death he was living around the tombs and jesus made a beeline for for him from way across the other side of lake galilee the sea of galilee and he healed him and he set him completely free. And then he got straight back in the boat and left. He didn't go any further in. And the man came to Jesus and he fell at his feet and he begged to go with him. But Jesus told him to go home, to tell his friends and his family, to show them what he'd, he'd done for him. And when he did, the whole region marvelled, became an evangelist. He'd been anointed for that task just to simply tell his testimony and give glory to Jesus. And the entire region was saved, was changed. It's amazing what happens when God gets around tombs. He's not scared of the graveyard. So we've been locked out of our church buildings. In fact, we've been kicked out unceremoniously, but looked what, look what happened when Jesus sent out the 72. You know, he sent them out away. He said, go, 
go and do what I'm telling you to do. They were empowered and people were delivered. They were healed. They came back all excited. Look what's happened. And you know, what happened when the Holy Spirit anointed the disciples and they left the room? Thousands were saved in one day. Look what happened when the church was scattered. Christianity went global. Signs and wonders followed everywhere. Look what happened when Chairman Mao got rid of all the pastors and threw out the missionaries and made Christianity and all religion actually, for that matter, illegal in China. It grew so much that China has the biggest number of Christians in the world. Conservative figures, around 67 million belong to the church in China. And most of them are underground churches, house churches, and others believe it's a much higher figure than that. But there's more house churches there than in any other country in the entire world. So for now, it's okay here by the power of invention. Church is now freely available in every single household that's got Wi-Fi. You know, that's millions of people who couldn't hear how much Jesus loves them. Able to tune in and listen from the comfort of home. A safe place. Empty tomb, empty church. And there's something about empty that God wants to fill. I'm going to go back to Kings, 2 Kings 4 verse 3. And there was a widow of a prophet and she was afraid her sons were going to be taken as slaves to pay off some debt. And she cried out and spoke to Elijah. He told her to collect as many empty vessels as she could lay her hands on. She had no idea what he was going to do with them. She didn't have a clue. She just knew that she had to get as many empty vessels and, you know, they had to be empty. And he said, borrow not just a few. They could not be full. They had to be empty. The small amount of oil that she had left just kept pouring out until all those empty vessels were full. The debt was paid. They had extra to spare. But the oil flowed only until they filled the vessels and then it stopped. God gave the increase, but he didn't waste a drop. And that's what he wants to do with me and you. He doesn't want to waste a drop of that anointing that he's put in you, on you. Okay. His anointing is to, you know, his, his desire is to fill us and give us and anoint us to do great things, to do good works so that we overflow with love, with compassion and the things that he's put in us, that potential and we've got to use it, nothing wasted. We then, we must then become empty in order to be filled, in order to refresh others. And the woman at the well, John 4, one of the most beautiful stories in the Bible. The woman came with her empty vessel to fill, to fill it with water. It's not surprising that when she got there and there was Jesus, she ended up being filled with that love and compassion. He filled her with hope. This was another trip that he made just for the one person. She went back, back to her hometown and guess what? She became the world's first woman evangelist, the first woman preacher. 
and she told her whole town and they believed. They all ran back to find out who this guy was. She went back to that well with her, well, she went to that well to begin with, with her emptiness, with her empty vessel. And she was so sad and she went back literally full of life. Charles Spurgeon once said, our cares can be the empty vessels for the grace of God to fill. So remember this, the empty tomb was the first sign of the resurrection. Let's say that again. The empty tomb was the first sign of the resurrection. It says in John 20, verse 1 to 2, that Mary Magdalene went early while it was still dark. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've laid him. And then we're going to skip to verse 10 to 18. Um, then the disciples, after they've ran to the tomb, to see for themselves then the disciples went back to their homes but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb and as she wept she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet they said to her woman why are you weeping she said they've taken away my lord and I do not know where they've laid him having said this she turned around and saw Jesus standing but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to see the gardener, she said to him, so if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, and that means teacher or Rabboni, maybe that's how it's said. And look at this scene for a moment. Look at the emotion in it. Mary, she panicked at first and then she went desperately sad and she went and told Peter and John. And then after Peter and John had seen for themselves and they went home, Mary stayed and she waited and there she met Jesus. She didn't even know what she was waiting for. She just wanted some answers. She stayed at the place where he last was. And sometimes we just need to wait and go back to the place where he last was. And, you know, if the empty, if the empty tomb shouts resurrection, shouldn't the empty church shout revival? You know, we could even say that, you know, like I've said before, we're entombed right now, staying at home, nothing happening on the surface, waiting for our resurrection, our revival. And, you know, maybe that's it. We're his body. Do you think that when we enter the church, it's going to be the same? It's not. It's going to be messy. Revival will almost certainly start. It'll begin with us. And, you know, get ready to see some new faces and a new church. Because the Bible says in Romans 1, 16, that we go from faith to faith. And in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18, we go from strength to strength glory to glory. Jesus has a habit of resurrecting people in tombs and where the church body has become entombed in this period of lockdown, God is not surprised. We are his bride 
don't be distracted. The parable of the ten virgins in Matthew said all ten became drowsy and they went to sleep and there was nothing wrong with having a rest. They slept, but only five of those ten were ready. And when they were woken up to tell them that the bridegroom had arrived, they'd, that five had prepared beforehand. They'd already filled their lamps with oil. Now this oil, it speaks to us of the Holy Spirit, that anointing. And, you know, they were prepared and the other five were disappointed because they were not there when they should have been. So we reach far more now than ever. Social media, FaceTime, smartphones, they are our highways and byways. Make no mistake, non-Christians, non-believers, they are tuning in and they're watching to see what we're saying. They want to know. Church is not any longer an exclusive club where people who don't usually come feel out of place. Because even if we're the most welcoming church on the planet, you know, it's hard for somebody who has never been in a church to walk in. They think everybody knows each other. They believe everybody's looking at them. And you know, it's hard. That's hard to just walk into a church that you've never been in. So we need to be ready, keeping our testimony simple and our message clear. Jesus is our hope and he saves. He heals and he forgives and he is the answer. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us to live it out and worship you through how we live our lives for you. Help us to stay safe in this time and draw closer to you during this lockdown. And if you are watching and you've never purposefully given your life to God, please just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I've heard about you, but now I want a relationship with you. I admit that I have sinned and I ask for your forgiveness. Help me to also forgive others for for the things they've done to hurt me. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me on the cross to pay for my sin and heal my sickness. I turn my whole life over to you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me start afresh with you. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it's really important that you get in touch and, and let us know. And then one of us can pray with you or bless you or and help you and, and support you as you begin to know God more and begin your new life. So thanks so much for listening um, and we're praying for you. Don't forget that. Please keep in touch, stay safe and have a great week. God bless.